Please be seated. Last week, uh, when I was talking to Greg about sermons for the month of January, he was very excited that my ski trip had, was canceled and I was able to uh, preach this Sunday. And I finally realized why. It was because the Pittsburgh Steelers were on last night. And he could stay up late to watch the game. Uh, I'm a Redskin fan, so I didn't care, but the Steelers won, so congratulations. Uh, there's many of you all out here. I don't know, it's like a Pittsburgh Steelers bar at this church, but anyway, um, I want to ask you a question to start uh, this morning. Have you ever been conned? When I say conned, conned comes from the word confidence, one of those false confidence tricks that someone plays on you to exploit you. When I was in my mid-twenties and very naive, I was living in Richmond, Virginia, in an area called The Fan. It was right near the center of the city where all the streets fanned out. And my roommate owned this uh, row house, and he was pretty wealthy, so we lived in a really nice place. There was four or five of us living there with him. And we were right near kind of a transitional neighborhood. There were some projects not too far away, so you always kind of had to watch, uh, make sure you locked your cars and those kind of things. One morning, my roommate... Went, uh, it was a cold morning. He started up his BMW, turned it on, you know, turned the heat on, went to run in to get a cup of coffee. When he came out, his car was gone. Four days later, they found it in Baltimore. Some homeless man had had the time of his life for four days. They never did find him. Well, a few months later, I get a knock on my door. I'm the only one uh, at the place, and this well dressed couple is there. And they said, hi. And I introduced myself, said my name was Steve. And they said, well, Steve, we're interested in that place that's for sale next door, but we noticed nobody's home. And so I invited them into my house, which really wasn't my house, showed them all around. They're like, oh, this is great. This is so nice. Uh, uh, So I thought that was it. Well, the next night I get a knock on my door again. It's the same couple. Uh, Again, I'm the only one there. And they said, and this time they had a look of distress on their face. Uh, I said, well, what's going on? And they said, well, Steve. I'm like, wow, they remembered my name. We have a problem. Our car is like three blocks over. Uh, We had to get a tow truck. It stalled. And we need cash for the tow truck. We left our money at home. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, you know, I I didn't have much money, but I I was even getting my quarters out. I found the $37. It was some very specific amount and paid them. And they said they'd come back the next day. I, I never saw them again. But... To make matters worse, I started talking to the neighbors. Apparently, the same couple had been knocking on everyone's door for weeks with the same story of the tow truck in the car. And if I would have just looked under Wikipedia, this is probably scam number one, you know, for con artists. But I had no idea. All of us have experienced the effects of people using a false confidence to exploit us in some way or another. Sometimes it's more obvious like that. And other times it's in our relationships, in our business life. And if we're honest, um, in our own lives, oftentimes we try to pretend we have it all together when we have no idea how to navigate our way through a lot of the difficult situations and hurdles that life brings our way. But sooner or later, this false confidence, whether it's in others or ourselves, is always exposed. In the movie Catch Me If You Can, which was based on a real, uh, real life con artist, one of the great lines is, the house always wins. In other words, the con is always going to be exposed. Our false confidence will be exposed. People will see through us. We will be found out. But there's good news from the scripture this morning is that we can live a life with true confidence. 
The power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives gives us power to know God, to love others, and to love ourselves. And when we we can access this power, we can live with an authentic confidence, no matter what life throws our way. I'm going to unpack the scriptures, uh, particularly looking at the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, which uh, the reader uh, read earlier, and then also looking at Jesus' baptism and how these scriptures today help illuminate our need to know God, to know others, and to know ourselves. When we look at Ephesians 3, uh, chapter 12, it says this in, uh, in our reading for today. It says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's in the NIV. In the New Revised Standard, it says we have access to God with freedom and confidence. We have access. When I was uh, living in southwest Virginia doing youth ministry, I got invited to an independent Baptist church. And I remember the preacher uh, very well. It was called Freedom Tabernacle Baptist Church. And there was 75 people there on a Wednesday. And his whole sermon was on this access. I'll never forget it because he said the word access about 200 times. And he read many scriptures about access. He read uh, from our reading today in whom Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. He read from Romans chapter five, verse two, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And then he read again from Ephesians for through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. And then, like any good Baptist minister, he had an altar call and he asked people who wanted to be saved and take advantage of this access. And a few people came up and I think most of them were regulars, so they had done the routine. And then he started lowering the standard. And by the end, it became anybody who understands that you have access to God come forward. So me and everyone else were up there and he had a little side smile. He was pretty happy. He got us up there and he prayed for us that we would know that we have access into God's kingdom, that we can know God. The interesting thing, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, if you read the the readings from the gospel, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And this curtain separated God's presence, the Holy of Holies, from the people. And only on the Day of Atonement, the priest could go in with the sacrifice of a young lamb or a young animal and sprinkle that blood. It was only through that blood that once a year they could make atonement for the people's sins. So when Jesus died... The symbolic thing of this curtain tearing in two is that all of us now have access, access to not only know God, but be forgiven from our sins. This access is an amazing thing. Not only does this access lead to repentance and change of heart, but when we look at Jesus baptism from today's gospel reading, we understand that Jesus brings a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. We all know that fire is dangerous. But fire also purifies our lives. When I was in high school, uh, one of the things that brought me to a relationship with Christ was a year before one of my friends had gone to a Young Life camp. And Young Life is an non-denominational outreach to high school students. Aaron had grown up in a Jewish background, had pretty much no rules. And he went to this camp and I asked him, well, how do you know your life's different? He said, well, you know, I used to just watch movies and things and nothing bothered me. Now I hear language and when people use uh, God's name in vain, it bothers me. You see, this piercing of the conscience that comes from the Holy Spirit purifying us became a reality in Aaron's life. 
And a year later, I ended up going to the same camp and gave my life to Christ. And I began to find that it was not, it was more than just my sins being washed away, but it was the Holy Spirit's baptism that pierced my conscience that I no longer could live and do the same things that I had done before. We have access to know God in a powerful way. Next, when we understand that we have this access, the power of the Holy Spirit work in our lives helps us to know and to love other people. In our reading in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says that his mission was to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. For Paul, his conversion was not a personal uh, thing where he just hid himself from everybody and read scriptures. It brought him into community, the community of believers, and it gave him a heart for other people who didn't understand the access they had in Jesus Christ, the access for forgiveness of sins and for the purification of the conscience that the Holy Spirit will bring to one's life. Paul also understood that he was loved by God because he was one of the worst of sinners, according to him. But he understood of his grace. When you read through Romans, the message over and over again, Greg preached on this uh, last, uh, last year, was that God loves us in spite of our sin. But he never leaves us there. The Holy Spirit, again, pierces our conscience so that we can not only know God, but love other people. There's a great scripture in John in the Pittsburgh uh, epistle of John, chapter three, verse 24. And it says this. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. The Holy Spirit assures us that we belong. And this belonging helps us to love and to care for other people. Let me tell you about two men who put this into practice. In the 1980s, there was a strong uh, Christian believer, a follower of Christ named Guy Dowd. He was the teacher of the year. And he really had this mantra that everyone mattered because he understood that he had access to God, that he was forgiven. And one of the reasons he was the teacher of the year is he loved his kids and they knew they were loved. Someone asked him, how do you do it? It's difficult being a teacher. Kids can be difficult. He said that every morning when he got into his classroom, he was a high school teacher. So he had several different groups coming during the day. He would go in each desk and he would think about the different kids that were sitting in that seat for that day. And he would pray for them each by name. Pray that they would come to know God, they would come to know Christ, that they would understand this access that they have through a relationship with Christ. His heart began to break for these kids from this daily discipline of praying for them. Let me tell you about another man a little closer to home. His name is Jack. He lived in uh, Savannah, Georgia, and he had retired from uh, Philadelphia area. He was on uh, the Urban Promise uh, Board of Directors Back in his working career, at the age of 80, he decided to start up an urban ministry in Savannah. So he went down to where the projects were, went into a park and set up some balloons and said, come sign up for this vacation Bible school and after school program. And two guys from one of the local gangs came up and said, old man, you must want to get shot. He said, I'm too old to worry about that. If someone wants to shoot me, they can shoot me. And they just kind of laughed at him. But sure enough, Jack started up this ministry, Urban Hope. That is bringing hope to kids who don't not only don't have access to great education and have a tough family, but they're getting access to hear about the hope they have in Christ. When you know God, you begin to know other people and love them and have a heart for him, heart for these other folks, just as God has a heart for you.
Finally, uh, the greatest commandment that Jesus echoed from the Old Testament was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then Jesus added the Leviticus uh, command of our neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself. As I said earlier, when you understand you're loved, you're not only able to love others, but also you're able to love yourself. The Greek idiom for years was know thyself. That's like the greatest intellectual pursuit. But apart from a relationship with Christ, you don't really truly know who you are. And you have trouble loving other people like you can. And I know some amazing people that don't know God. But if they did know them, just think how more amazing their life would be. They were in touch with the creator that knows everything about them. Tony Campolo, a Christian speaker and activist, was talking to a group of college students about finding themselves, about how at that time all the students were going out to Boulder, Colorado to find themselves. And he said, what if you're an onion? And they said, well, what do you mean? He goes, what if you keep peeling these layers to try to find yourself? And after a while, you realize there's nothing there. Because if it's all about you, there's not going to be a whole lot there after a while. Our lives are not only enriched by loving other people. That's what we were made And that's what we were designed for. Paul Johnson wrote the book Intellectuals, and it critiqued many of the intellectuals from the 20th and late 19th century, from Tolstoy to Sartre to Marx, all these different folks that impacted uh, culture and intellectual thought, Hemingway. Although they had many ideas, and some of them had ideas of utopia, their home lives were awful, and many times a complete nightmare for their uh, children and their spouses. And what he pointed to, when their only hope was in their thoughts and nothing else, things broke down. Their home was no utopia. Their lives were a mess. You see, all of us have a great gift, this access to know God. When we know God, we can love others, and we can truly know ourselves so that we can carry out this mission, this declaring the mystery that uh, the Apostle Paul talks about, so other people can know about God and understand the access that they have. So what do we do with this message? How do we access this power of the Holy Spirit? How can we do this? Well, first of all, from if you've played a sport or done any activity, you know that repetition builds confidence. Greg spoke in his last sermon about wisdom and how so many people make New Year's resolution, but our biggest resolution should be to seek God's wisdom every day, not only through a personal devotion time, but also through encouraging and loving each other. When I was at a college, I worked one summer at a Christian camp, and this guy came to build a ropes course and needed some help, and he, I volunteered. I don't know why I did that. I'm scared of heights, and I never really liked ropes courses, but... Sure enough, I thought I was going to, like, hand him tools where he climbed up the ladder. But instead, he got me up in the trees. Then he got this pulley, and I had this huge drill. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs. I didn't know how to operate any power tools. Next thing you know, he's like, okay, drill a hole. I'm like, where? He goes, in the tree. And I'm so I'm trying to get the right angle. By the end of the afternoon, my fear of height started to dissipate. I had helped him build this ropes course with these pulleys using all kinds of crazy tools. This guy was a strong believer, and I always remember that because I realized that, you know, they talk about in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We can build a true confidence in each other, not only by assuring us of the salvation that we have in Christ, but helping us to encourage each other towards love and good deeds.
Now, when we look at us as a church community, how can we flesh this out more and more? I think there are a few ways. I think we can do this again by encouraging other. But also when we look at Paul's words, it was not only him. He also understood that it was the church that was responsible. He writes his intent that now through the church, the manifold of wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have a responsibility collectively to encourage each other to live this out. For us, meeting together should not be an option. We should encourage each other, not for church attendance, for the sake of church attendance, but knowing that we're sharpening each other so we can go out into the world and show people the power of God's spirit, show people the reality of God's salvation. We uh, recently, the... uh, if you guys have, unless you've been asleep, you know that there's a thing out now with the Powerball, 900 million. And by the way, I bought this just for this sermon. I don't normally buy lottery tickets. <laughs> but I checked my numbers this morning. I got one right, but it wasn't the, uh, anyway. Nobody won, by the way. It's worth 1.3 uh, billion now. So uh, a- anyway, but, you know, so often we go after things in life that don't last, that don't ultimately give us uh true purpose and meaning. But every single one of you are a Powerball winner. And I say that not to for a cheesy example, but for a really a truly powerful one. We all have access to a relationship with God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can not only be forgiven, we can have consciences that break break us when we're doing things that are destroy us. Our hearts are broken for other people that are hurting so that we can bring them to the access of knowing God to loving other people and finding a purpose for their life. When we do this, we not only have a true confidence, but we'll be able to live uh, our lives in a way that honors God. You know, at the end of the service, either Kathy or I will get on the microphone and we'll say, let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Well, let's remember that right now, too, that as we leave here today, that we can rejoice that trying to live the Christian life is not all about us trying to carry it out and deliver it. It's God powering us through the Holy Spirit so we truly can understand our access to know God, to know and love others, and to know and love ourselves. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your son, the gift of your son on the cross that we have access into your family that you can become our father and we can become your children when we put our faith and trust in you. Help us to be reminded of that through repetition every day to know that so we can live out your faith into the world. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to us once again. In Jesus' name, amen.